You are listening to the Slow Living Podcast, and I'm your host, Stephanie O'Day. What if I told you that you could truly have the life of your dreams, the life you've always wanted, one filled with abundance, joy, and a sense of purpose? It's absolutely possible, and I see it each and every day with my coaching clients. It all starts with learning how to slow down. You deserve to live the life you've always dreamt about. Let's get started. Hi there, Slow Down Society. Steph here, and welcome to episode number 123 of the Slow Living Podcast. I am thrilled that I am here with Andrea. Andrea is a longtime reader of the emails and cookbooks and website and listener of the podcast, and she reached out to me because she wants to share her slow living story with us. And I was so happy that she was brave enough to reach out and share. So Andrea, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. It's such a pleasure to be with you. So tell us, tell us who you are and what made you feel like, okay, this is it. This is my first time I am going to be interviewed. (laughs) And I want to tell Steph and the Slow Living Society what I'm all about. Well, you know, I am just so grateful to be here. Um, I have always been a very um, kind of free spirit. And um, I have been, uh, first I'll tell you, I was born premature. I was born at 26 weeks. And I um, I lost my vision due to um, retinopathy of prematurity, which is a retinal condition where your retina is attached from the optic nerve. So at mm. six months, my mom found out that I was blind um, and that I most likely would be for the rest of my life unless, um, you know, either God intervened or um, there were um, medical advancements that would um, provide some assistance. Um, so I have always been a very like daredevilish kind of girl, like <laughs> always been very um, adventurous, free spirit. Um, I've... Um, just lived life. I've always tried to live life to the fullest. Um, and so I just wanted to, I thought maybe some of your listeners would be interested in, um, you know, my story. I, um, I'm not, um, like super out there yet as far as like exposure goes, Mm -hmm. but, um, I, um, have always, I've always loved music and Mm -hmm. I've always been into writing music and singing. Um, I grew up singing, and um, I took that to the next level in my early 20s and started mm-hmm. writing songs. Mm-hmm. And so I, I've also traveled a little bit around the world and just, you know, by myself as um, kind of a, an adventurous spirit. So um, I wanted to, I felt that um, your listeners might enjoy some of that um, story as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have two songs that you sent to me. One is yes, called Time of Need and one yes. is Home. And and yes. the lyrics of these songs are just breathtaking and your voice <sighs> is phenomenal. And and we're going to um to share some some clips of your music. Um I'll have uh Taylor Taylor my my podcast <laughs> guru uh yes. splice those in. But but so I am was so thankful that you reached out to me because you are living an amazing life and you were born prematurely and with this disability, yet 
you don't know any other way Correct. to live and you have found a way to thrive with Absolutely. what many people would, would deem um, a, pr- a pretty significant hardship. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, you know, it has been challenging. I, I will say being blind comes with its challenges. Um, but I also, you know, I've learned throughout my life. I went to a wonderful training center um, in Louisiana where I learned a lot of great life skills for folks who, who, who are either losing their vision, have lost their vision, or maybe, you know, have been given a diagnosis that they will eventually lose their vision. Um, and it's a place where, uh, individuals can go, adults and youth can go to learn skills, life skills, uh, independent living skills, cooking, traveling. We even took a woodshop course, which was, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I'm not the best at, I will admit. But <laughs> it was, it was really great. Um, and so I, I really gained a lot of confidence from that experience. Um, that was after high school, but yeah, it, I mean, I really, I have I will say I have my challenges, but I am a very spiritual person, mm-hmm. person of faith. And um, I, I believe that, you know, if one puts one's mind to it, um, you know, you can overcome and I don't, I don't feel self-pity. Um, I don't feel sorry for myself. I feel grateful that I even have a life to live and enjoy. So I just try to enjoy it to the fullest. <laughs> I, I love that. So when you <laughs> first wrote to me, you yes. wrote that you wanted to share how you use positivity yes. and faith and hope and love to yes. live a life that is fulfilling. Absolutely. That is yeah. that is the truth. Yes. So what's <laughs> what's wonderful is um as you know, that I, I coach women and, and a lot of times people come to me because they feel disorganized and they want help yes. creating systems. And yes. before we hit record, Andrea said, hang on a second, I'm going to pop out my Bluetooth uh, headphones and get right. my wired headphones. And so she yes. walked, she walked <laughs> away, but obviously you know how I to find return. things. <laughs> I did return you with the right headphones. No, but, yes. but, but you <laughs> most definitely are, are walking, talking testament to having yeah. systems and having strategies Absolutely. to find things. And so you must yeah. be phenomenally organized. You know, I, if you ask any of my friends, they will tell you <laughs> that I am, I am super organized for being someone who can't see. Um, I, I think a lot of people assume that being, being blind, I must be organized. Um, but if you walked into my bedroom, you might see piles of stuff everywhere. So I think, you know, I think there's, there's this organized clutter that is a thing still. Um, <laughs> it's a yes. thing in my life. Um, but I do know where things are. So I do have kind okay. of a system of organization. Okay. So sure. I think that's the part that I want to highlight <laughs> and circle is, you know, where for things sure. are. I mean, yes. you, you walked away and were gone mm-hmm. for less than 30 seconds and came back with your <laughs> wired headphones. You knew exactly Absolutely. where they were. And I had to, I had to go up like 14 stairs and come oh. back down. Well, there you go. Well. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> No, I I think you get all the gold stars in the world. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) Oh, thanks. (laughs) No, I love it. So, so talk to me about, about growing up blind and what your schooling was like. 
Wow. So growing up blind, um, schooling was very interesting. So I grew up, um, I didn't attend a particularly, um, you know, a school for the blind per se. Um, I was in the public school system and public education. Um, I was considered special education up until, well, most likely throughout my whole secondary career, but I was uh, included with the rest of my peers in high, beginning in high school, like, or, or let's say eighth grade to ninth grade, I started going to mainstream classes with everyone else. Um, but prior to that, I was, um, I was, I had a wonderful vision teacher and um, she was so instrumental in, she was with me throughout my whole career, my whole secondary career as a student. Um, so she was with me from the moment I began pre-K or kindergarten up until I graduated high school as an honor grad. I was, I graduated top 10 of my class in um, 2007. Um, and, and I graduated from Kara High School, go startup makers, um, <laughs> in Georgia, in Kara, Georgia, in a little small Southern town in Southern Georgia. And um, I was taught Braille um, from a very early age, from the time when most students start learning to read print, I was mm -hmm. taught to read Braille, which um, I'm not sure if, if you know what Braille is, but I always tell people it's, it's kind of, um, you know, your print is our, my Braille is your print. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a medium of dots. It was created by a, a guy named Louis Braille, Louis Braille in, in France. I think it was in the 1700s or 1800s. I don't have my facts straight on that, but however, That's okay, we're not going to fact check that. you. <laughs> he created this system of dots. Um, and it's almost like a, it's like a code. So it's like you have certain dots. Uh, there's six dots in a sale and each set of, there's a certain set of dots that configuration of dots that create letters and those letters in turn create words. But then you also have contracted braille, which is like shorthand. Mm -hmm. that where you could put the word C, I mean, the, the letter C together with the letter D and it means could, mm. or you can put the letter Oh, D, so it is a shorthand. G, so oh, it's like a fun. shorthand, right. Okay. But it's also, it's also very, um, uh, I used to read hard copies of books. So when I would get books from the state and read in school, um, they would be these huge volumes um, with like wooden, like cardboard covers. Um, so it, they, they looked massive and they were massive but um they were it was amazing because I would take these these volumes to classes with me when I would um and I would go and drop into classes um during my special ed time in um elementary school and middle school um and I would read with the other students and in high school it just sort of became um the norm that I was involved in in the classroom with everyone else and I would participate alongside my peers Mm -hmm. um, I had a very strong work ethic from a very early age. Um, my vision teacher was very um, instrumental in pushing me to, to succeed. I mean, she would say, you know, when you go to college, no one's going to do this for you. No one's going to help you with this. No one's going to help you with that. Like you have mm -hmm. to, you have to take ownership of your own mm -hmm. um, curriculum. I mean, your own education and, and work yeah. with that. And you have to find ways to, to get around the check to get around the challenges. And um, so that's what I did. And I would stay after school often two or three hours um, during the week and work on math. And I would use wiki sticks to 
I don't know if you guys have ever seen wiki sticks, but they're like little rubber sticks that you yeah, place. Yeah, they kind of stick together a little stick bit. Together, yeah. yeah. And we, we still use, use those, those in an elementary school. That's, Absolutely, that's in the so math program. Cool. Yeah. And um, we would use those too. She would help me. I was taking um, I would take um, I think it was trig or Euclidean geometry, and 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 we would use those wiki sticks to make coordinates and make angles and make shapes. Um, and those were so useful. Um, so that's, that's why I got A's and B's in those classes. I'm, I'm so grateful for those modifications. Um, so yes, there were definitely systems in place, um, during my public education, during my secondary career, um, mm -hmm. as a student. So it was, it was, it was wonderful. And I did read a lot. I was an avid reader. Mm -hmm. Um, I read everything I could get my hands on <laughs> Yeah, intended, um, as well as, you know, um, I would listen to, to quite a, quite a lot of audiobooks um and and back when they had tapes if you guys know what those are with cassette tapes yeah this. <laughs> so and and it was really great um I really just learned a lot I was just such a sponge and I loved absorbing knowledge and, and learning and um it was just it was wonderful do you growing up did you ever feel wistful or or sad in in that other children were doing things that you thought you couldn't or like, like you have, you have such an upbeat personality now. <laughs> Was it always this way? You know, I have always been a very positive person. I've always been a very optimistic individual and I've always had, um, like I said, I've always leaned on my faith. I've always believed that God had me here for a reason that I was mm -hmm. here for a reason to, to, to make him look awesome. And also to, um, to show the world that, you know, um, that, that I could, I could be, what, what I was supposed to, what I was meant to be in this life. And, um, one of the things that, one of the things that troubled me as a child, I do say, I mean, I did come from a very broken home. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a broken family. Um, but I also, I, I will say at the same time, my family, I had, um, wonderful grandparents who loved me so much. And my mother, even though she wasn't around all the time, um, she was a nurse and unfortunately she had some issues with addiction. Um, and while she would go away, I would be with my grandparents on my mom's side, my granny, and my grandpa. And we, we loved music and we loved singing and going to church and listening to music and singing gospel songs. And, and I would go to different events and I would perform at the rotary or I would perform at relay for life or mm -hmm. uh, benefits and concerts and things of that nature. So I always had a really strong optimism and a really mm -hmm. strong desire to, to live and to be something or to make myself make something of my life. Mm -hmm. And then I would read these books like, you know, the great Gatsby or, you know, war and peace or great expectations, or, you know, I would read all these books and I would say, wow, you know, I grew up, my, my family was very modest. We came from modest means, um, but we also, we loved each other deeply and we still do love each other deeply. And um, my parents are no longer living, um, nor are my grandparents that raised me. Um, but I've I've lost a lot in, in 35 years. Um, I've lost a lot of family, a lot of close, you know, family members, but I've also gained a lot because I've learned how to kind of come out of that resilient, um, come out of that loss and a resiliency. Um, so I would say to answer your question, um, kind of went off on a tangent there, but no, to answer your question, 
to answer your question, I, I did experience a lot of loneliness growing up because I did feel a bit isolated um, from my peers to a degree because, you know, children, sometimes children can be cruel. Sometimes, um, you know, the way the beliefs, like even though I might be a positive person at, at heart, you know, and I might be a loving person at heart, others, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes people can only see what's external. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, children um, at that age, you know, in my, when I was 10, 11, 12, you know, there were a lot of challenges with, you know, feeling like I didn't belong because other people, other kids were going off and, you know, hanging out. And, and I had this one great friend and, and we're not as close today as we used to be, but we are super, she's still someone that I can call, um, and, um, we, we recall like the, the times when we were younger and how we just, we had such a close friendship because like, she was the only person that I would hang out with. Um, and, and I actually, during my high school years, I hung out with, um, my friend, um, a friend named Joanna, who was wonderful. Um, and she has disabilities herself. She has several um, different disabilities and special needs, but she was a wonderful person. She is a wonderful person to this day. Um, and a lot of people didn't want to hang out with us because we were different. And, you know, her, she has a speech impediment. And so a lot of people were kind of like shied away from us, but I would go hang out with her all the time because I would feel like, you know what, she has a friend and I know what it's like to not have a friend. So I want to be a friend to her. And so I think I just kind of took all the bad and tried to make something good out of it. That's lovely. That's lovely. Yeah. I'm glad you have each other. And yeah. uh, I'm glad that you persevered because I know yes. many can kind of spiral and get into that kind of darkish place. So I'm glad that you were able to, sure. to move out of that. When it comes right down to it, we all just want to climb into bed each night feeling calm, content, and at peace. We want to know that we were able to keep all the balls in the air and were productive without neglecting our own needs and wants. I know. I get it. That is why I recorded a free masterclass on the 10 things happy, successful people do each and every day, and I'd love for you to join us. Learn simple and practical tips to reclaim the sanity and joy in your home and family at stephanieoday.com forward slash masterclass. Tell me a little bit about your, your travels. I know you've done quite a lot. Yes. So I actually, when I graduated high school, I did, I went to college in Valdosta, uh, at Valdosta State University in Georgia, and I graduated cum laude um, wow. in 2012, in December 2012, with my bachelor's of Spanish, um, with a focus in language and culture. And I, um, I had some wonderful professors at Valdosta State, wonderful professors, and they were very instrumental in teaching me and helping me grow and seeing where I was weak and helping me, you know, advance in the language and helping me kind of develop those finer points of the language. Um, so it's just, I'm so grateful for, for their, um, their encouragement and their teaching. Um, 
I had a, a teacher, um, a professor named uh, Dr. Friedrich, and she actually um, she sent me a link to a to an internship in Spain through the Education Council of Spain um, in 2013, right after I graduated college. And she said, "Oh, you might love to do this." And it was it was to be in um, what they call an auxiliar de conversación, which is a wow. a Spanish. It's a conversation aid in Spanish. Okay, what that means. And so I got the opportunity, the wonderful opportunity, to go abroad to Spain in in October of 2013. And I I lived in Spain from October of 2013 until May, uh, June of 2014, um, in the province of Cáceres in the region of Extremadura, Spain. And it's in the Western, I believe the Western, I'm not good with man geography. You guys can help me out with that, but <laughs> it's in the Western region of Spain and it's a very beautiful, um, a beautiful area. It's there are olive orchards and you can, um, in the village where I resided, um, people told me you could see the snow capped mountains from where mm. we were. Um, I lived very close to the El Monasterio de Guadalupe, which is, a UNESCO World Heritage Site in, in okay. Spain. Um, so if you Google Earth it, you might be able to actually see the air, the town where I lived. Okay. Um, and it was a wonderful experience. I got to teach English to children um, and be a conversation assistant to help others, to help the students in the class, um, in the school there, the local colegio. It was called Colegio de los Católicos. Um, and it was an elementary school. And um, I was able to assist the professors teaching um, English by having conversations with the students. And it was a, a part-time position. And so I would work, I would go into the school three days a week, walk to the school from my little little one bedroom apartment that I had in the town. And I would walk and teach, teach um, English to the students. And some days there would be uh, because their classes are different from ours, their curriculum's uh, different than ours. So they would, one day their class might be art and the art class would be in English. Or one day the English class might be in science or it might be in um, music or, um, you know, it might be uh, like history. Mm -hmm. So based on the, the class, I would talk about whatever uh, topic came up. So a lot of times we would talk about sports. We would talk about uh, holidays that are, are famous, you know, our, our, our national holidays that we celebrate here and how maybe we might celebrate differently than other cultures. Um, we would talk about different artists. We would talk about um, just quite a, quite a range of, of different themes. Um, and the kids were so lovely. I mean, they are just the most beautiful children in Spain. Um, and so I, I lived in Spain for eight months. And while I was there, I, on a whim, I decided, well, you know, I'm just going to make my own itinerary and I'm going to go to London for five days. And I had saved up some money. So I, I went to London and the lady I, I called to set up the bed and breakfast, the, the rooming house. And she said, oh, uh, my dear, are you okay with stairs? You know, is this, this <laughs> going to be a problem? You know, yeah. I was like, oh, this is no, not at all. You know, I, I this will be fine. And she 
I think I blew her mind because when I got there, I, I, I walk, I use a cane for mobility. So okay. I use one of these long white canes that doesn't fold. So it gets on people's nerves, but, um, <laughs> and so I go on planes and they're like, can we take that? And I'm like, no, I'll just slide it over here by the window if they'll allow me, you know, or, okay. you know, just, just put it in the little nook and cranny there. But, um, you know, so I, I, I went to London for five days. I walked around the city. I took the tube, as they call it there, um, the subway, the tube, um, to different parts of the city. And I, I was able to visit some of the sites there, um, the London Museum, the, uh, let's see, the Museum of Packaging and Advertising, which was mm. interesting because for being a blind person, it was a very visual um, a visual, visual okay. because it was all the ads from like the 1800s all the way up into the present. Yeah. And so how, the, how, how different products have changed and how the ads have changed, um, over time. And, um, I went to the Weiner Holocaust library, which was quite so when, an experience. When you but, go to a museum or something that for someone able-bodied would consider yeah. visual how mm-hmm. is it for you do you get an audio tour or or how do you navigate yeah. through the so, museums yeah so in in Europe it's very common to have audio tours um okay. it's very common to just be able to get a headset and listen to or, or take take the phone around and it's like a portable phone mm-hmm. and you can listen to the audio tour and you could have someone guide you around like I had someone guide me around the the um the exhibits Okay. But there's also um, when I went to the packaging museum, the advertising and packaging museum, I had a guide. I didn't have a um, an audio tour. So I had someone walk around and just explain mm-hmm. certain certain visuals to me. Um, and when I was at the Weiner Library, we we were in a room with several tourists and they did explain a lot of things to us. So we had someone that was an initial guide for everyone. So mm-hmm. I just followed along mm-hmm. um, behind someone else. And um, sometimes I would say, oh, can I take your arm, you know, and I'll just go behind you. This mm-hmm. and, and usually people didn't have a problem. Or I would I would ask a guide from the museum to walk around with me, which was perfect. Um, I did go to the, uh, when I was in Toulouse, I, I want to tell you this experience that was really quite amazing. Um, I, I went to Toulouse for a weekend, Toulouse, France, in, um, following my London trip. Okay. And I was so amazed because when I got off the plane, um, my friend Veronique met me at the airport and, and she's like in her 60s, probably 70s now, bless her. Um, and she spoke a little bit of English, a smattering of English, and I smoke, spoke a smattering of French. So we got along just fine. Um, Mm -hmm. I kind of blubbered my way through the weekend (laughs) and I I did try to speak French as much as I could um, because I had to take two years of French in college. Um, So I was pretty conversational um, in French, but there again, it's my third language. So I was a little (laughs) weird, but we, when I, we got off the plane, we went to have a, um, a chocolat, um, which is a hot chocolate in France. And we had our chocolate and then we, we walked around this park and it was so amazing to me because the park, there were trees, there were different plants that you would walk past and there were plaques that would explain the origins of the tree or the origins of the flower or the plant. But then it had, it, it was, it was also, there was also a plaque in Braille. Mm-hmm. So alongside the, the, the visual, the print sign there was a braille plaque 
and everything. It was written in French Braille, which I could read um, a bit of. I wasn't the best at it, but I could I could read fairly well at the time. Um, and I could read, you know, what what you know where the tree came from and what you know who brought it there, who brought it to France, and who contributed to planting it and why it was planted there. And it was just so amazing to be able to have these experiences. Um, I tried roast duck for the first time at Veronique's home and it was amazing. And we walked around the square and she told me some of the history of the town and it was just lovely. We went to a supermarket together. Um, so it was just wonderful to be able to experience that culture um, with someone who was local and native to the culture, um, but who someone who also had an apartment in the historic district. Um, so we could walk around and experience that together. So it was such a great experience. And, and living abroad was always a dream for me. Um, so Spain was wonderful. Um, it was great. And then I also taught some of the kids when I was in Spain, how, how I got around because they wanted to know, like, yeah, a lot of them were so amazed. They were like, you came here by yourself. Like, how did you get over here? <laughs> you know? Okay. Well, I, I know that you, you were affiliated with AmeriCorps for a while. I was, when was I that? was an AmeriCorps member. I was an AmeriCorps member following my trip to Spain. So after okay. I came back from Spain, I did do AmeriCorps for a while. Um, I did three terms. I, I'm AmeriCorps VISTA okay. alumni, but I'm also an AmeriCorps member. Um, so a volunteer in service to America for a year. Um, here in Tallahassee, where I currently live in Florida, um, I was, I worked as a, uh, I would say a marketer for college access and success modeling models to universities and presidents of universities and colleges throughout the state of Florida. So I would call, I would contact the presidents of the universities or the, the academic uh, access and success division. And I would say, you know, here's a model that we've been, we've, we've had demonstrated. Could you, would you be interested in looking at it mm. as part of your, your college access and success, um, mentorship modeling. And so I would try to propose that they incorporate those models into their curriculum or into their, to their university in some way programming to their programming in some way. So it was really interesting. Um, I was also a, after following that experience, following the year of working as a mentorship marketer, I also worked for three months as a personal care and counsel, camp counselor for Easter Seals, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. um, this was my second term. I, um, was able to provide personal care as well as music programming for the camp um, during the summer of 2016. There was a, there were, it was three months long and, and we had a variety of age ranges. So we would have young student or young children up to, you know, youth as well as adults with special needs or disabilities, intellectual disabilities or developmental disabilities they would come to the camp and they would um, experience the camper life for a week at a time. And so I worked six days a week um, as a program counselor, as well as a music uh, programming specialist um, with Camp Wabeek and um, Easter Stills, Wisconsin as my second AmeriCorps term. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I followed that up with a 
a stint, an AmeriCorps stint for my third term as a victim's advocate for domestic violence survivors in the Manchester, New Hampshire District Court. So I worked um, alongside the Domestic Violence Prosecutor's Office to provide victims advocacy, um, as well as you know accompanying victims to court, um, accompanying survivors to court, and helping them kind of work through their concerns related to the legal process. Um, so it was very, um, it was very useful in my development of the language, as well as my development of of legal uh, legal understanding of of how how the court works and how the process works for survivors. Um, we had to um, we had to go through a, an advocacy training at the beginning of that year, um, so it was very useful and very enlightening. Um, and I was able to, I actually got to do a couple of detective interviews with the local Manchester Police Department um, with some of the victims who came in who were experiencing domestic violence. So I was able to provide some interpreting, some Spanish interpreting for some of those individuals, which was super um, helpful. Um, it was also very informative because I got to see kind of on the ground how, how it plays out, how the system plays out. Absolutely. Oh, they yeah. were lucky to have you. That's, <laughs> it was a wonderful privilege. It's yes. it is a privilege and that's yes. what lights me up when I hear you speak is is you <laughs> you've lived a phenomenal life thus far and and you're not even halfway over. Like you yeah. have done an awful lot and your your music you're you're just so gifted. So Andrea is a professional songwriter and musician, and we're going to play two um, clips of her songs, and I will put the the YouTube um, links in the show notes. And if anyone yes. wants to get a hold of Andrea, if you have an idea for some sort of music or a song, yes. or if you'd want her to do a voiceover, reach out to her because well, it is... I, it, it's breathtaking. You, you really are quite gifted. Thank you so much. I will say, I won't, I want to um, interject the caveat. Yes. That the, the YouTube channel, <laughs> well, yes, we'll do absolutely. it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the YouTube channel that um, where my songs are posted and the videos are posted is not my actual channel. Um, I used an upload site to post the videos. So unfortunately the algorithm decided that it would pick an artist um, named Andrea Jenkins, which is my name. Um, and so that it picked another person um, okay. that was not me. Um, so the videos are authentic. The videos are mine, but the page is not my own. Um, okay. I'm in the process of working to create my own YouTube channel. And once I do, I'll make sure that um, I link you to it. Sure. Okay. Well. So, yeah. so for right now, what I have yes. is I have the clips and it's most definitely you. And there's a cute little yes. monkey in the background. Absolutely. That was from my time <laughs> in Gibraltar. I was on a, I, I went to study my first trip to Spain. I was on a study abroad trip with some um, fellow cohorts and we went to Cadiz, which is in the Southern part of Spain. And we took a couple of courses that summer summer of 2011 and we went to Gibraltar during that mm. time and it was lovely and so we got to experience the caves and the monkeys and yeah it was okay it was so do you <laughs> like are the monkeys docile enough can you touch them 
Um, I mean, that, I never, th- this is quite I never close, got close to you. <laughs> I, yeah, I never got close enough. I mean, maybe they were just hovering around and because I couldn't see them. I just okay. like stood there, you know? So maybe they were like, oh, she's not afraid of us. We'll just hang out. Well, you I, know? Think, I think they might have been enthralled by <laughs> so, your singing. So. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> okay. So yeah. if you're listening to this, then um, listen, watch the YouTube videos. And if you want to get a hold of Andrea, email me and I will give you her email address. I won't read your email address on air, but I will, (laughs) I will connect any, anyone and everyone who wants um, to be in touch with you, because I think you're absolutely absolutely remarkable. And, um, and you're a longtime crock potter and anyone who loves their crock pot. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, and I love your recipes. They are amazing. I I tried. Well, you, you tickled me when you said that my recipes made you a good cook and I'm like, "Eh." Oh, (laughs) oh my goodness. So good. So good. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, Andrea, thank you. Thank you so much for spending time with me and for reaching out. Absolutely. And it, it just, I'm, I'm thrilled to have, have just connected with you. And I know your story will resonate with so many because the, the fact is life can be challenging and it can be tough yes. and, and everyone Absolutely. has some thing and 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 wherever you are wherever you you think like oh i can't do this because of that or or i i yes. i this opportunity is lost and i've missed the boat mm-hmm. F- find find a way find that glimmer of, of hope and 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 find find the back door find a different way to right. to make what you want to happen happen. And, and yes. you're such, such an inspiration for that. Thank you. And and can I just add on a final yes, note? Always. Um, Sheldon I, is whining in the background. So I apologize everyone for aw. Sheldon is like, okay, come on, come on, mom. Come on. Oh, <laughs> so cute. So cute. Oh, I love my, my puppy. Her name's Ginger. She's so sweet. Oh, I call her nice. Ginger pie. She's not a service dog, but she's my sweetheart. Um, she's my baby. Um, I shared joint custody with her, um, with a friend of mine. So we, we, we laugh about that. What but, type um, of dog is Ginger? She is a boxer mix oh, those are of dogs. some sort. We're, yeah. we're not those exactly are, those sure, are sweetie pie dogs. She, she came from somewhere, but she's really sweet. Um, but I wanted to add on a final note, um, when you guys listen to the words of the songs, when you guys listen to the music and think of and meditate on the, the words or, or just enjoy the music, um, I really believe that my role in life, my calling is to help people to understand, to see that they have a future, that there's hope, that there's a future out there. Um, I try to love people as Christ loved me. And I try to show people that there is hope that even if you've been through dark times, I know I've had a lot of loss. I've lost a lot of family members, lost my mom at 23. I lost my dad at 17. So I just wanted to share that, um, you know, that there is a light out there and that, you know, if you're going through darkness or dark times, um, there is a light and there's also hope for you. And that, you know, if you have a dream, don't let it die, you know, um, take, take it up and think about it and, and see how you can, um, work in your life, see what areas of your life you can, um, work through to make that dream happen, whether it's, you know, getting your finances in order, or whether it's, um, you know, journaling it, whether it's putting it down on paper, um, whether it's writing a book or writing a song or getting out your crock pot, you know, mm-hmm. and you can do that. You can yeah. do it. And, and 
Um, I, I look at it, I mean, my faith is what's carried me. My relationship with Christ is what's carried me through. But I can say that also there is hope out there and no darkness is too dark. And, and there's always a light that shines for you. And so um, if you can, if you can hold on to that light and hold on to that hope, you know, everything will be okay. Everything's going to be okay. If you trust that and believe and just um, be, be kind to yourself because I've had to be kind to myself um, in a lot of ways. So I just want to challenge everybody out there to really just um, challenge yourself to, to rise higher, to, if you think you're, you're dust and ashes or you think that your life isn't much, every life has value and every, there, every life is a story. And so don't think that your story is too boring. Don't think that your life, if you're out there with, you know, five kids and chaos, you know, don't think that it's a small story because every life is intrinsically valuable and there's a story behind that. So I just wanted to, to let everybody know that. Um, oh. Going <laughs> oh, it's so sweet. You you're making me cry and choke up because oh. <laughs> you're it it's so true. It's so true. Everyone yeah. has something. Everyone does. And and yeah. and coming out of the shadows and and knowing mm -hmm. that you're not alone is is Absolutely. so important. All right, slow down society. Thank you again for being here. Thank you, Andrea. I hope everyone knows that wherever you are, we are holding you closely in our hearts yeah. and you are loved and hugged and we'll, we'll see you again. Well, we will listen. We will hear each other again <laughs> <laughs> next week. You take care. We are lucky enough to have some audio clips from Andrea. This is her singing Time in need. Oh, that is amazing. This is another audio clip that we are so lucky to have. This is Andrea singing Home. Such 
a phenomenal voice. Thank you, Andrea, for sharing this. And if you want to hear more, all of the audio is linked in the show notes. That is the YouTube page where Andrea's music is showcased. Do you have a slow living story to share? Leave me a voicemail at stephanieoday.com forward slash podcast with any questions, comments, feedback, or testimonials, and I will be sure to include it in an upcoming episode. Also, if you found value in this episode, please share it with your family and friends and subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. The more you share, comment, and leave positive reviews, the more people we can reach and share the slow living, lifestyle, and messaging. Thank you, Slow Down Society, and have an absolutely wonderful day.